0: God, we're just so thankful that you came. And Lord, when you came, as Pastor Chris is gonna share with us tonight, it was far from perfect situation. It's far from perfect circumstances. But Lord, you came. And God, you sent your son to this world because you loved us so much that you wanted to make a way for us. Lord, during this season, we celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus. And Jesus, we celebrate the life that you lived and the obedience that you showed us and the death that you gave for us and the faith that you exhibited knowing that your Father would raise you up. And because of that, we have life today. So Lord, I thank you that you understand the mess. I thank you that you understand the imperfection of it all and that in the midst of all of that mess and all that imperfection, you sent your son Jesus to show us what love was and to show us how much you love us. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen.
1: I want to be like you and Give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you Wherever the love of mine Merry Christmas. Just a, a small public service announcement for you parents that have children. Don't worry. OK, they're going to wiggle, and they're going to squirm. Children, I'm not giving you permission to wiggle extra. But don't worry. Pray you're at peace today. We're now only a few short hours away from Christmas morning. Any celebrated, celebration out there? Anybody excited? Yeah, me too. I think it's the crossroads of where our anticipation and our hopes, I mean, there's, there's thoughts of like Nintendo Switches dancing in our minds and our hearts. We finally get to look underneath that wrapping paper. And there often is the case when the carnage is all done tomorrow morning and the toys and the gifts and the new clothes and the, the phones and the, the video games and computers are all unwrapped. There's this, there's small sense tiny sense of of almost sadness. I mean, not that we're going to express it that way, but often the words, and this is my favorite saying or statement of my children after they unwrap all of those gifts, is that it? (laughs) That's what they're hoping to hear. (laughs) But often we feel that way. It's that, it's not that we're unthankful. You know, often we kind of think of it that way, but I mean, maybe there are some of us who are unthankful and maybe there's some of us on the naughty list, but there's this honest sentiment, this reality that somehow we long for something greater, something that can't be wrapped and something that can't be placed underneath a tree or purchased. We long for something deeper and something that will satisfy us and our souls. So I want to encourage you with a couple of thoughts as we approach Christmas tomorrow morning. I assure you that Christmas has more to offer us than just gifts underneath the tree. And secondly, Christmas is not about having the perfect Christmas. It's incredible the amount of pressure that we put on ourselves to have and create the perfect Christmas. If we were honest, it's kind of exhausting. All of the energy and stress and late night wrapping sessions that await some of us, all of the food and calories and trips to the store and heartburn and countless online purchases and planning and picture-taking and Christmas carols and Christmas lights and trees and garland and the parades and pageants, family and feasting and cookie-making. It culminates on Christmas morning, afternoon, or evening, and then it re- the reality hits us. Another Christmas has come and another Christmas is gone. And again, I want this to sink in. Christmas has more to offer us than just gifts underneath the tree and Christmas is not about having the perfect Christmas. Christmas is a time that we set aside as a church and as a people of God to remember the long-awaited arrival of our Savior, the Messiah of Israel, the Emmanuel, God with us, not only his arrival but his presence with us today. That just as the Bedouin shepherds who were grazing their sheep in the Judean hill country declared after being completely rocked by the angelic declaration of Jesus's arrival. I love this. This is the words of the Bedouin shepherds. They were like, come on, come on, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing, this wonderful thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so tonight, I I just want to invite us like the shepherds. Come on. Come on, y'all. Texas version let's go to Bethlehem can we do that together can we just venture to Bethlehem let's leave behind for a moment the immense excitement of the gifts underneath the tree that might leave us wanting more let's leave behind the immense pressure of that perfect Christmas and let's just go to Bethlehem and let's try to remember and remind ourselves of the very first Christmas his arrival and his birth and i do hate to burst our bubbles us pastors and we're so prone to burst bubbles but uh it probably wasn't december and it wasn't winter i know some of us are going hey wait a second but the shepherds were grazing their 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 sheep out in the fields and they didn't do that during the winter that was a fall summer or spring activity And the the time is somewhere around the vicinity of 4 or 5 B.C. Yes, we're talking about actual human history. The first Christmas took place in history. Caesar Augustus was emperor of Rome, considered to be one of the greatest emperors in Rome's history, ushering in what was later called the, the Pax Romana, or the Peace of Rome. It was spoken of Caesar. He is the divine savior who brought peace to the world No. He was a good emperor, but he was no savior. The true savior who was to bring peace between man and God was soon to arrive in the city of David, as Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 2 records. It says this, in the days, those days, what days? Well, the actual historical context of the days. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Cyrenaeus was governor of Syria, now, Caesar Augustus was first to truly implement widespread taxation. He issued a decree, a decree that necessitated the, re- the registration of all Roman citizens and those under the occupation, even forced occupation of Rome, so that taxation could be implemented. Over the region of Bethlehem, where Bethlehem was located, was a Roman governor by the name of Chirinius who was overseeing the registration of Syria, and it would have been required that each person would travel to their village of lineage to be registered. In fact, that's what we find in verse 3. The text tells us this, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now, I'll say this. If it wasn't for the events that are about to follow in the narrative, there, there's no real reason for us to even consider Caesar Augustus or uh, this decree or the census taking, and there would be absolutely no reason to remember someone as historically inconsequential as Cyrenaeus. I mean, unless you're a fascinated student of Roman history, I know many of us are, but uh, what makes this history so pivotal and so important to us is that God used this particular registration to get a young betrothed couple by the name of Mary and Joseph, Joseph, a young carpenter, a young Jewish carpenter setting out to start his family, Mary, a young Jewish virgin who had miraculously conceived a few months prior and was carrying within her womb. The Emmanuel, God in flesh, literally wrapped in her womb. The fulfillment of prophecy and promise and anticipation. And so God is using these events, sovereignly orchestrating events of history, so that this couple would m- travel some 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, verse 4. And the text says, And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And they wouldn't have been alone on, these, on this travel. In fact, the, the roads would have, been, would have been filled with other travelers heading to their villages of lineage. And we have this image in our mind of, of Mary, late term in pregnancy, traveling, riding on a donkey. All of the lamenting stories of how terrible that would be. It's hard riding in a car. That late in pregnancy, can you imagine riding on a donkey? But that's probably more fiction. A few days after his birth, all they had was the offering of the impoverished two turtle doves. According to the law of Moses, they didn't possess a donkey. And so guess what? They traveled every mile, all 80 miles, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, most likely on foot. And it's so significant that they're traveling to Bethlehem. Why Bethlehem? Why is that so important? Well, the reality is that is where the Jewish Messiah was to be born. It was the city of David, Joseph himself being of David's lineage. The Messiah would come through the line of David, King David. Family, the significance of these events where prophecy and history meet are often lost. During our tireless attempts to create that perfect Christmas and buy that perfect gift, For it was while in Bethlehem that Mary came to term and it was time for her to give birth. I pray that we see today, this evening, that Christmas is truly about this moment in time in this narrative, in Bethlehem, 2,000 plus years ago, the moment of Advent, the moment of his arrival, the birth of the anticipated one. And I'll tell you right now, the very first Christmas, it wasn't neat and orderly. It certainly wasn't clean and sanitized like our contemporary renditions on greeting cards and front lawns. Now, I'll offer it didn't take place in a home warmed with slowly boiling apple cider, but the first Christmas took place in an animal stable where animals were kept, and it smelled like a place where animals were kept. It wasn't accompanied by Christmas carols sung by firelight, but by the moans and salty, sweet sweat of childbirth. The silver wasn't polished, The turkey wasn't lightly browned, and the only thing that got wrapped that night was not in the gold-gilded paper of Macy's. No, the greatest gift ever given was wrapped in strips of linen, similar to the rags that we hang in our garages to clean up spills. And instead of comfortable beds warmly nestled with sugar plums, a young and exhausted couple fell asleep on a floor mat with their newborn son placed in a feeding trough layered with hay. If we really embrace the first Christmas, we escape the pressure of putting on the perfect Christmas. The first Christmas was messy, it was true poetry. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, verse 6. Verse 7 And when she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, why did she do that? Well, because there was no room for them in the inn. Oh, the poor innkeeper. Man, he has taken a lot of bad press over the years. He's like the villain of the story, you know what I mean? He didn't even have room for Jesus in the inn. and Well, do you have room for Jesus in your heart? And Well, that's not the point. <laughs> it's not the point at all. No, the point is the small town of Bethlehem is at capacity, and this innkeeper was most like a homeowner who had rented out his rooms but he made arrangements for the couple to stay in a place to deliver the child in a small animal barn that was most likely attached to the home. The point is, the son of David, the true king of Israel, wasn't born in a palace. Okay, he wasn't wrapped in the robes of royalty. The point is, the true son of David, the savior of the world, the Emmanuel, God with us, was born in an animal stable, wrapped in strips of linen and placed in a makeshift bassinet. That just so happened to be an animal feeding trough. The point is this God wrapped his heavenly shalom, the embodiment of his blessings, in human flesh, and came in the absolute lowest way possible. Born and entrusted to a poor Jewish couple, there could not have been a more lowly or modest or humble arrival. And that's the point, it's the paradox. Though being infinitely wealthy, he came poor. Though being all-powerful, he became dependent as a baby. And it's hard because we almost don't know what to do with it, you know? We, like, we look in on this stable, and we, and we look at Jesus being born, and we go, is that it? That's really it? That's really what Christmas is about? The birth of this child? And it almost goes unnoticed at times. But on this particular night, there was an announcement. And it didn't go out among the who's who of Judea. It didn't go out among the religious leaders of Jerusalem. They didn't make their way to Bethlehem. The news of his arrival would be entrusted to lowly Bedouin shepherds. You see, just as David, the great king of Israel, was a shepherd, the announcement of the son of David would be entrusted to shepherds. Verse 8. And it declares in that same region where there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with what? Fear. I I don't know about you, but if I'm in the wilderness and it's completely dark and then all of a sudden this angelic dude shows up, I'm going to be kind of scared. You too? How about if he's enshrined in the Shekinah glory of God? That gets your attention, wouldn't it? But this angelic being was not there to declare judgment or to terrify, but to make a declaration that Jesus has come. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? For who? Who is the message of this arrival for? All people. That he has come. The Messiah, the the Savior, the Lord has come And so thick is this reality that the good news is for all people. The evangelion, the gospel, Jesus has arrived and the message is for everyone. Verse 11, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Theologically rich unto Israel and unto us, O Gentiles, was born this day a Savior, that just as he was wrapped in linen and swaddled, a few decades later, he'd be wrapped and swaddled, not in the linen of birth, but in the linen of death. That he came to save. Christ the Lord, the Messiah God, came to save. And what's fascinating is the sign that, he, that the angels give to the Bedouin shepherds that this is the one. Listen to this sign. Think about this. If you heard this sign, and this is in relation to the king of all Israel, the Messiah of the world savior of the world and this is a sign for you just put yourself here you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger i'm going to go ahead and paraphrase i'm going to change that a little bit make it look more contemporary you're going to find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth that you find in your garage lying in a food trough that's the sign that the savior has come and then listen to what the angels declare. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. Family, this day brought God ultimate glory. And family, that is the point. That is the primary focus of our life. That God get the glory. To Him be the glory. Glory to God in the highest. Goes on to say, And on earth, peace among those whom He is pleased. I know we love the rendition that declares and goodwill towards men that sounds great but more close to the point peace among those whom he is pleased you know who have true peace with the father those who believe in the son and we have peace when the angels went away from them into heaven the shepherds said to one another well, let's go check this out Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And it says that they went with haste. That means they, they ran. And they hurried and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger, just like the angel had said. And you'll notice there, there are no wise men here tonight. I know we love to see the wise men. And it's because it's, it's part of the, the birth story that we find in Matthew. But the, the, the wise men come a little while later. But this is the very first Christmas. He has come. The very first Christmas was very simple and messy. And guess who the focus is? Who's the focus of the first Christmas? Jesus. His arrival, his birth. And so I I simply want to declare to you, family, Merry Christmas. Jesus has come. And he, he's not, already, uh, not only come, but he is here. He is present in and among us, those of us who have the Holy Spirit. He's present here. The Savior of the world, the Lord, the Messiah. And for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, that we believe, we have the greatest gift that's ever been given, eternal life. There is no greater gift. There are great gifts in this life, but there's no greater gift than eternal life. And so I want to encourage you that Christmas has more to offer you than just gifts underneath the the tree. In fact, I'll say this, Christmas is truly about Jesus. I want to encourage us to love him more and to love one another. Gosh, love your families. Enjoy the season. Enjoy tonight and tomorrow. Seek reconciliation. If there's somebody that you need to call on the phone, make that phone call. Give them that gift of forgiveness. Give yourself that gift. I want to encourage you to also be thankful for what you receive. And I'll add to that, Christmas is not about having the perfect Christmas. I hope that's freeing. The first Christmas was messy. Family, the first Christmas was more paper plates and Dixie cups than shine china and crystal. Amen? And so I pray that you're encouraged tonight. We are going to sing together one of my favorite songs, Silent Night. And as we do this, a couple of, a couple of words of encouragement. First, uh, parents, please watch where your kids are holding their candles. Nobody wants a new hairdo for Christmas. Uh, and I'd ask that we try to watch the, the dripping of the wax and all that. But we're going to slowly start to pass the fire. We got any elders in back? Gentlemen, if you want to come forward. Now, I want you to think about the light of the world and what his arrival has meant to planet Earth. I know there are many today who would like to argue that, oh, religion brought war. And, but think of all the charity that has come because Christ has come. Think of all the grace that has been poured out on planet Earth because Christ has come. Think about all of the mercy Servants who have served, people who have loved. His arrival has changed the world. Our history is marked by it. Everything behind it looking forward, everything after it looking back. The light of the world. Family, what is Christmas about? What's the greatest name ever given? What is the name that saves?